Hello and welcome to our second F1 podcast. Uh, got the two massive nerds that I know uh, back on with me. So we got Daniel again. I think this is your fourth episode now, Daniel, between football and F1. Um, becoming a bit of a regular, mate. <laughs> I am. When do I get a cut of the, the royalties? Well, you know, uh, when we start making money from our 40 listeners, I'll, uh, definitely, get, <laughs> I'll definitely get a percentage. Um, and also we've got with us uh, Jimmy green Jeez, welcome to uh, welcome nice to have you back um and yeah, how, how are you doing mate i'm very well thank you how about you i'm all right mate you know how it is love loving the lockdown anniversary um that we've got today in the uk oh, beautiful isn't it um well this f1 podcast it's just a little fun one actually so we're, like <clears throat> uh, season starts this week um We've had preseason testing and everything, so we're going to chat a bit about that and then go into ranking our tracks because, I mean, uh, every race I watched last year, I pretty much heard someone say, oh, this track is dreadful. And to be honest, that is quite true for quite a lot of them. So I thought, well, you know what? So I was like, you know what? Let's just try and actually rank them and see where we go. So we'll do a draft order later and see see what we end up with as the best track and what's the worst track on the 2021 grid. Uh, first question, though, Daniel, for you. Um, pre-season's happened, the new season starting. On a scale of 2014 to 2020, how far ahead will Mercedes be? I am going to go with 2018-2019. It would take a brave man to bet against Mercedes this season, and I am a coward in this regard. Um, I think... Red Bull looked very strong and Mercedes obviously struggled. I think this could be a bit of a replica of the uh, Ferrari-Mercedes years with uh, Vettel coming up the block strong and then Mercedes clawing it back in the middle of the year. Because I think Red Bull and Verstappen, or they definitely have the momentum going into the season. Um, <clears throat> Hamilton as well, because... I mean, the end of the season was a bit of a nightmare for him. He missed the race with COVID, and then in Abu Dhabi, he didn't really get going. He was outclassed by Bottas all weekend, and both of them were outclassed by Verstappen. And he just didn't look comfortable in the car during preseason testing. I think the Mercedes looked a bit jittery. Uh, I think the new rules affecting downforce at the back of the car seem to have affected them and Aston Martin more than most, which... Isn't surprising given that Aston Martin's basically the same car. <laughs> um, yeah, he had a couple of spins, so I think it could take Mercedes a few races to really get to grips with the new, the new rules, the new season. Um, but I think the fact that 23 races is a lot of time for Mercedes to claw it back. So. Yeah, I mean, Jamie, I'll go to you. Think after, yeah. yeah. With Mercedes, like obviously we saw it in 2017 to 19, where Ferrari kind of caught up, and then the Ferrari had to kind of cut corners to try and catch up at a fast rate, and Mercedes were just able to develop their car a bit more reliability, and in season they just dominated them, like absolutely dominated them with the with the with the with that. I would say Red Bull are a better outfit than Ferrari with like behind the scenes side. Um, do you think? Do you think it's going to be? If, if, let's say, they're equal or, you know, Red Bull is like a tenth faster, do you think the Red Bull could match the development pace that Mercedes have? I don't, there's obviously lots of factors at play here. I think, um, uh, you know, Honda engine's a big part of it. 
from what we've heard, they seem to have made very good progress. Um, so I think, you know, reliability, you know, key. I mean, Honda had a lot of issues with their engine last year, last couple of years with Red Bull. Um, I think one of the most critical factors in all this, I think, is probably the two second drivers, so Perez and Bottas. I think I'm really excited to see how Perez gets on and whether that genuinely makes a big difference because I think, um, you know, Albon and, and Gasly over the last couple of years, it just really has been a one-man team in Verstappen and I don't think they've, you know, they've not, they've not been able to maximise their pace. So I think Perez is going to be crucial in that. And, you know, can can Bottas um, hang on to Hamilton out front or will Verstappen, like, be, you know, will it be Hamilton versus Verstappen or will, mm-hmm. will Bottas and Perez just kind of be there or I don't know. It's I think... Um, I, I want to believe that it will be close um, all the way through the season. I really do. Um, and and I think 2022 20, regulations are critical too. I mean, who's going to continue to develop and go all out for the championship and who's going to maybe think a little bit more strategically about next year? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Where's the thing for Mercedes, right, Daniel? It's like, we've won seven in a row. And do you go for the eighth with Hamilton going all in for maybe his last season? He might have another one after or do you go, you know what, let's maybe, you know what, take the hit on this one, but we'll win the next six again, if that makes sense, if we get a head start on the on the new regs. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I've, I think Mercedes are a big enough organisation that they can afford to focus on 2022. I mean, and 2021, I think they'll have been developing the 2022 car for the last two years by now. Uh yeah, yeah. I, I don't think resources are an issue there. Yeah. I think, if anything, Red Bull have a bit more to worry about with that. Slightly smaller organization, and they need to worry about taking on the intellectual property rights for the Honda engine mm-hmm. for 2022 as well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, true. Um, well, what about Ferrari? What about your old boys, Jamie? I'm sure it hurt them deep that you've you've left them now. Um, what, um, what, what have they got the Fiat Punto engine still in there? Do you think, or have they improved? I think they've improved. I think um, if I had to pick my two sort of biggest unknowns from pre-season testing, I think it's Ferrari and Aston Martin. I just don't really have a gauge on where they are. Um, I think, I think Ferrari, um, I think they will have jumped to the third quickest team. Um, maybe not at the beginning. Um, but I just feel, I just feel like they've making they've made quite a bit big step forward. Um, but that's that's what I'm hearing anyway. And I don't know. I, Aston Martin are un, unknown as well, really. I mean, they had a, quite a dreadful preseason test actually, um, lack of running, etc. And I just don't know where they are in the pecking order. Yeah, I think it might be a very good scrap actually between the Mercedes and Red Bull, and then Ferrari. Um, Aston Martin and McLaren behind. I think that will be a really good kind of battle for the sort of points, points yeah. pain positions. Do you um, think Al, what about Alpine Daniel as a kind of Frenchman? Uh, what what's going on with that? Do you think they've got it in them to kind of jump in? Um, I mean, the big unknown with Alpine is how Alonso is going to perform. I think I think there's going to be a really intriguing midfield battle between Alonso and Vettel because Alonso you know is mentally he is going to be 100% focused but having taken two years out 
is he going to be able to adapt to the new cars? Is he still going to be as physically sharp as he was before? Um, I don't know. I think the Alpine looks okay as a car. I mean, it's a it's a beautiful livery. I really like the blue on it. Um, the, the design's a bit strange because they have this bulbous airbox that doesn't look like it should be aerodynamic at all. <laughs> um, but they claim that they've made a lot of gains by slimming down the side pods and that kind of profile of the car. Uh, I think McLaren looks really strong. The, th- the thing with pre-season testing is it's always hard to tell who's done well, but very easy to see who's struggling. So from that perspective, you can tell that Mercedes and Aston Martin, it didn't go the way they would have wanted. Whereas for teams like Red Bull, teams like McLaren, I think it was pretty much the perfect few days yeah. for them. Ferrari as well, going back to that, I'm not convinced with the development tokens that were available between last year and this year that physically they'll have been able to claw their way back up to third. Um, I think they'll probably make an improvement. And I think one of their issues last year is they were struggling with downforce with aero. The car looked a nightmare to drive. Do you not think, though, that last year they had to compensate for their lack of power by taking wing off? And if they've clawed back that power, then they will be able to run with more downforce. Yeah, because I thought I saw that with with there was definitely tracks where it was big power tracks that the car looked solid. It looked really good in the corners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, think, I don't know. I just don't know if early season. I'm sure I was watching. It looks pretty decent in the corners. Like, I'm sure Martin Brundle was like, you watch the Ferrari on board. You're like. That's a really good lap. Like he's not like lost. He's not lost a car anywhere. The back end's not gone. Um, and he's a second down on everyone else. And it's just yeah. Really I like mean, speed. maybe I'm maybe I'm just influenced a bit here by the fact they showed um, the Claris crash in Monza in every single episode of Drive to Survive. <laughs> Regardless <laughs> hey, of whether spoilers, I've not seen it yet. Have <laughs> <laughs> you not? No, I've not it's seen it. Six yet. days. Come on. I know. Um, I know. Yeah, I mean, like, some of the onboards, I think it was quite difficult to drive. Seb, in particular, seemed to struggle. So, I don't. I think they will have improved from last year. I, I don't think they can really be much worse, to be yeah, honest. Yeah. Otherwise, they're, they're slipping back into the, the half Alfa Romeo battle. Um, but I don't... I, I get the feeling McLaren are kind of taking the lead in the midfield battle. Yeah. And between Aston Martin, Alpine and Ferrari, I think it's going to be quite close to call. Well, one question quickly for you guys before we move on, both of you. Um, the midfield last year, it was, a, it was a massive split. It was it was as in from the top, right? So it was Hamilton, Bottas, Verstappen, and uh, a minute gap and then the rest um, at times. What do you think this year, from what you've seen, what you've read, your own guts, do you think the the fifth to fourth gap during races, do you think it'll be a bit closer this year or do you think it'll be more of the same? So I'll go Jamie first and Daniel. Um, do you know what? I think it's probably going to be more of the same. Like, I, 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 I wish that it wasn't, but yeah, maybe I'm just protecting myself from disappointment. <laughs> I, think, I, I, think, I, think, I think Mercedes and Red Bull are equally as far in front. Mm-hmm. Daniel? I'm going to go with the opposite. I think it's, I think it's going to be a little bit closer. Um, I think it would be really typical 
for Formula One to have a really good, tight, competitive season yeah. and then throw everything away with the rule changes for 2022. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> um, I mean, last year, there was a lot of, I think there was something like 13 drivers on the podium last year, which is the most we've seen in years, probably going back to 2012 or maybe before. Um, yeah, I, I think... I think Mercedes and Red Bull are going to win the lion's share of the races, and by that I mean Hamilton and Max. <laughs> but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if you know Ricardo maybe claimed the win for McLaren or something. Twenty three races. Yeah. Lance Stroll comes up good again. You know how he is. The big man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's the he's the wet king. Put some respect on him. <laughs> he's done it he's done it a few times actually to be fair we give him a lot of chat to be fair yeah. to Lance but he's done it a few times in the wet now um it's just cool Seb I'd, this year so yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean as, as much as a battle between the teams I think the different narratives we have with battles between drivers yeah. is going to be really interesting this year mm-hmm. um I mean not only do you have Hamilton and Bottas can Bottas cling claim anything back you've got Hamilton and Verstappen you've got Bottas and Perez kind of the battle of the number twos there mm-hmm. and I think Perez in general at Red Bull is a huge unknown because it looks everybody that's been in that second Red Bull has struggled and it looks like it's, it's, yeah yeah but it, it looks like it's a difficult car to get a hold yeah. of um mm-hmm. and I mean Perez is almost taken part in 200 races now Everybody knows what kind of level Perez is at, I think. Mm-hmm. So this will be a good, it'll be quite revealing in terms of where Red Bull are at. Not having a young and inexperienced driver like uh, Kafia, like Gasly, like Albon in that car. Mm. Yeah. I think the competition between Ricardo and Norris is going to be really fascinating. Yeah. Um, so you know, Norris it's his third season he can't really hide behind the rookie thing anymore and I think if he struggles against Ricardo it's going to be quite damaging for his reputation in terms of him wanting to be seen as a top line driver yeah I think so and that's quite interesting because I think like we all got on the like, he's such a social media presence we were all in the Lando hype after third in, in the first race last year but he, he, he kind of got outdriven by Carlos Sainz towards the end of the season um and I know points total Lando's higher. He was consistent. Carlos had a lot of issues that weren't like a lot of crashes that had nothing to do with him. And he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, and I thought that from like a non-biased point of view, when I looked at it and I was like, okay, maybe Lando's not in this like George Russell, Charles Leclerc, like Max Verstappen kind of level. He might be just one tier below them, which is like, nothing against that but like you you watched George Russell one race in the Mercedes back of the way to the front dominated the weekend and a car doesn't even fit him the guy had to like <clears throat> like had to squeeze into the car um and you watch what Charles Leclerc did to a multiple world champion obviously they had issues but he's been incredible since he's made some stupid mistakes but he's also been undrivable at like no one can compete with him on, on weekends some weekends um and Verstappen is Verstappen we've seen what he's got he's Competed with Hamilton in a car that's two, three, four tenths lower at times. Um, so yeah, I think I think I agree with you. I think Lando, he, he just mm-hmm. could be, he could just be that Nico Hulkenberg, you know, he could just be that guy that, I, well, apart from Hulkenberg, he's actually got a podium, but 
he can just be that guy <laughs> that like is he's just he's just kind of the best of the rest oh, kind of midfield no. midfield kind of guy. As much as I hate, I love yeah. him. I absolutely love him. Great content, yeah. but. Nah, I, I, my, I, I sense he's a bit better than that. I, I think he'll give Ricardo a very, very much a run for his money this year. I, I, I really rate him actually, uh, and I think the fact that, um, you know, okay, maybe you think Sainz maybe outperformed him over the course of the season, but I, I actually really rate Carlos Sainz. I think the battle at Ferrari is, I think that's another interesting narrative, you know, on top of the others that you mentioned. Yeah, true. Well, last question before we move on to this draft thing. Uh, irrespective of the car, and who do you think has the best driver lineup this year? Both drivers combined. So obviously you've got like the top two. You've got Max and Lewis are probably the best two on the grid, but their partners are unknown slash Bottas. So <laughs> what, where, where do you guys sit on who do you think has the best two combined drivers in, on the grid just now? Daniel, you can have it first because Jamie's thinking. McLaren. Hands down, I think McLaren. I think Norris and Ricardo. I think it's hard to beat. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the one that could excite me the most is Alfa Tori with, uh, with Gasly and Yuki Sonoda. <laughs> I think nice. Yuki Sonoda is going to be, in, yeah, I think he's going to be incredibly exciting to watch this year. I don't think he's going to be consistent but I think he's gonna I, I don't want to draw the Japanese connection here but I think the way Kimu Kobayashi was about 10 years ago the way he just throws it up the inside <laughs> and it's 50-50 as to whether it works out I think the way Yuki was driving in F2 last year I think we're going to see the same thing um, so yeah um, I, uh, I think Red Bull Oh, very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I can see that. I think they do. So I'm, yeah. I've got a bit of real good. I, so I, I think you guys know how much I like Charles Leclerc. So I've gone Ferrari. Yeah, I think, that's yeah. Yeah, I think Charles Leclerc can compete with Max and Lewis, and I think Carlos Sainz is probably the best number two on the grid personally. So I went for yeah, that's what that's where I I landed. But interesting that we didn't go for the same ones. Although Alpha Tauri is rogue from Daniel. Um, <laughs> he must really on the Gasly hype these days. Um. So, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. I'm really looking forward to it this weekend. And I just pray that quality three, you just don't see Hamilton, Bottas, four tenths, Max, a second, Perez, <laughs> and then just the rest, because that'll just be so depressing. Um, yeah, I really hope it's a close one. It'll be good to see the finally we get to see Hamilton and Max when we won. Um, that'll be really, really interesting. Um and I can't wait for uh, Max to show what a fraud Hamilton's been. Um, anyway, we'll move on now. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> well, well, on that note, we'll move on. Um, so, uh, yeah, so let's go on to this draft thing, right? So, as I said, 21 tracks we're going to talk about, not 23, because Saudi Arabia and Holland are a bit of an unknown. There's not many races. Um, and, I mean, Holland looks quite a nice track, but, again, there's not been a single race on it. Saudi Arabia looks like another potential one of my dreadful track list, but... I'll, I'll wait till there's a race speed on it before I judge. Um, as Daniel pointed out in our group chat, there's about one place you can overtake. Um, so um, so the, the way this draft's going to work, so we're going to pick in turns. We're going to go from worst to best. We've all got a list here. And um, Daniel gets the honour of picking the worst, I think. Um, so Daniel picks first, 21st overall. 
Uh, what is the worst track, Daniel, in your opinion? So taking into consideration the track layout, the location, the atmosphere, the prestige, I am going with Sochi in Russia. Ooh. The worst track on the calendar. Jesus yeah, and it's, 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 it's strange because you, you look at some of the races in isolation, like obviously the start is quite exciting. You've got usually third place is the best place to start in that track. You get a good draft going into turn one. But for the duration of the races, just, there never seems to be any action or excitement. And also, I'm, I don't understand how a track that is by the coast in a seaside resort next to the mountains with a theme park nearby can look so boring it looks <laughs> like you're driving around a car park it's, it's a <laughs> track it's just great it's miserable it's depressing yeah what's uh, track jamie anything goes i would that? not I think... no i mean i like i'm a sucker for a 90 degree corner right so like <laughs> I, I do i do quite enjoy driving it right but but yeah i, I had that as my worst as well i just I, I, I just so dull. Yeah, I, I agree with everything that Daniel said. I had a bit higher, but obviously, I think, so my rankings are, you guys are proper, like, F1 junkies, right? So you're all about the history and the prestige, whereas I don't give a fuck about any of that. So <laughs> for me, it's all about what the what the tracks are actually like. And I had it a bit higher up because of what you said, massive straight DRS zones. And you do actually get some overtaking on that bit sometimes. I know you mean sometimes they just all drive about 10 seconds off each other and nothing happens. Um, but no, fair enough. Good. I mean, I can't complain. I just had a bit higher up. I had like 15th, I think, but um, fair enough, Daniel. Uh, Jamie, uh, what's the second worst track then, or what's well, left okay. with your draft board? I'm going to go with Paul Ricard at France. Oh, Not very nice. Very no. nice. Yeah, but, I, like I mean, that. it was, it's, uh, the, the, I've had two races there of recent years, or just one, is it two? Um, they've just been so dull. And I just, I, I, I hate those stupid runoff areas. <laughs> I just, nah, I just don't like I it. And I was quite, I was, I was quite excited for it coming back. Actually, I thought, oh, a new track, you know. And then I just very quickly, like, nah, I'm not, not feeling it. So that's my second worst. Yeah, I had it. Again, I had that um, 19th, so I wasn't far off. <laughs> I think it's such a dull mm-hmm. track, and as you say, runoffs are just. Yeah. Like there's got to be some sort of like at least a gravel trap or something there, you know? Like you can't just let them drive yeah. 20 meters off the track and then come back on <laughs> with no no issues. See, Paul Ricard falls into this bracket of tracks I have where I think there's a ridiculous number of possible layouts you can have for that track. Something like if you, you, you can reroute it, something like 180 different configurations with all of the different tracks yeah. and runoffs and things they have. And I look at the circuit they have for the races and I'm like, was that really the best one you could have picked? Yeah. Like, imagine how bad the other 179 are if this is the one that they decided was going to be the best race. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm slightly... I, slightly biased because I went to this race in 2018, the first time it was back. But even I didn't put it any higher than 18th. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've, got okay, this, so... you've, got, you, 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 you've got this long back straight and then punctuated by kind of a medium speed chicane that's difficult to overtake. It's, yeah. it's, why? Why? 
Yeah. Well, we'll move on then to the 19th. Uh, this is going to rile you up. And it's Monaco for me. It is a dreadful, dreadful, dreadful track. Don't even get me started. Oh, the bits, <laughs> the glamour, the history. I don't care. It is awful. When a bloke like Lewis Hamilton on tires that are like 60 laps old can hold off a guy on fresh tires for the whole race, crying to his freaking engineer every lap, that just says everything. The fact that I genuinely think if George Russell and the Williams two years ago was on pole, no one was going to overtake him. He could be a second and a half slower than behind, and he would have won the race. If you just yeah, park your car, but if you park your car, like qualifying is interesting, don't get me wrong, qualifying is lovely. It's so good. You see the guys, the walls and everything. Come here, As a race, Jamie, when there's one overtake a race, maybe, and that's when Charles Leclerc is just sending it everywhere, hoping something sticks a Raskas. Like, it's just, it's dreadful. 20, no, 19th for me, and I, I don't care about all this glamour and glitz. None okay. No, like, I, I, I take your point. I take your point. Um, I think it depends what you kind of, what's really important to you when you're watching a Grand Prix. I don't need there to be overtakes aplenty to, to really enjoy it. Yeah, but, um, but watching Monaco is just like watching NASCAR. They're just going round in a circle then. Nah, nah, so, nah. <laughs> So for me, for me, I like I absolutely love watching the onboards and watching how close they get to the wall and the kind of precision and mm-hmm. I, I really, really enjoy watching Monaco for that reason. It's one of the only races every year where I watch every single practice session, right? And even although it's just cars going round and round, right? I just I, there's something about the the the, the layout. It just I don't know. Yeah, I love. Prestige means something to me. As as I said, I love I love qualifying there. I think qualifying is incredible. That is the most exciting part of the weekend, and that says everything. When qualifying shouldn't be the most exciting part of the weekend, (laughs) like it should. (laughs) Daniel, I think it's it's the one they all want to win. It's the ultimate Uh test of a driver's skill Uh and precision. I mean, Jazz, you just criticised. Paul Ricard for having ginormous runoff areas. Monaco is <laughs> probably the one track where if you make a mistake, like that's it, you're done. Any part of the track, you have to be on it. You have to be concentrating. Oh yeah, I totally appreciate that all the time. But as a spectator um, sport, I'm not watching. I want to watch something happen. <laughs> I don't want to watch a line. As I said, what set me over the edge, and I would have had it a bit higher, was that race where Hamilton literally had tires that were done, and he could hold off people comfortably. Like not even like oh, it was a bit. Literally didn't even, no one even got close to overtaking him because you can't, like there's just no way you can. And I think it's got to do with, for modern day F1, because the cars are wider now, the track obviously is the same width. I think that's why it's also, I feel like it's not a great track anymore. Yeah, I think it's not as good a track anymore because in the olden days, I completely agree, the cars were um, narrower and you could actually follow closely through the tunnel. You got some great overtakes at the chicane. but you just don't get that anymore. And I think it's because the cars are just so wide. You park in the middle of Monaco, no one's getting past you. Yeah, um, I guess kind of, it's probably the one track on the calendar at the moment that if it had never held a race before and they applied to host a race for the first time now, it would be laughed out of the room. Nobody would take it seriously. They would say, it's too small, it's too twisty, you can't fit modern F1 cars around there. It is purely only on the calendar because of the history yeah which is fair enough um i but, I, 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 do, I i i do take your point yeah there yeah so let's move on let's move on daniel back to you mate fourth worst track <clears throat> fourth worst uh i don't know if this is controversial or not i'm gonna go with barcelona in spain oh ooh, okay okay because and 
there's one clear reason why I don't like it, and it's the stupid little chicane they have at yeah. the end of the track. Because <laughs> yeah. I think I, I, I think I, I think they brought it in like 2007 or something. Before then, you had this, you know, like medium to high speed double right hander leading onto a long straight, and it was brilliant. And then they put this stupid little chicane that spreads the cars out. It completely ruins anybody's momentum going onto the back straight, and it makes it really difficult to overtake. Um, there are a couple of tracks in here where I'm like, you could have good racing here if you only changed one or two things about them. And yeah, it, it's not a race that I look forward to. I, yeah, I completely agree. I had space. Yeah, well. I, I also kind of have this theory that you can tell how good a race is by in the promotional package before the race. How far back do you go for like the best moment in that track? And the clip they always show in Barcelona is from 1992 when Senna and Mansell were side by side, inches apart, going down the start finish straight. And it just feels like nothing exciting has happened on that track since. So. Yeah, I mean, obviously they had the Hamilton and Rosberg accident. Um, and Maldonado won in 2012, which was just the most random victory of all time. But um, no, I agree with absolutely everything that you've said. I, I, the, the turn turn one um, on the first lap is always good because it's long straight. Um, you know, it's a long run up to the first corner. That's always exciting. But I could not agree with you more about that stupid chicane. I, it just ruins the full thing. I had yeah. that 18th, so I'm really glad, really glad with that choice. I had a bit higher actually. I had a, I, I had a fifteenth, um, but yeah. yeah, I mean similar end of the yeah. I, it, it was in the seven dreadful tracks list that I've got. Um, it's yeah, it's just again, it doesn't do it for me. Dreadful races there. Um, uh, Jamie, I think it's you, mate. Yeah. So I've got Abu Dhabi next. Nice. Yeah. Love um, that. And you know why? Because it's become known as the last race of the year. And I just hate the fact that it ends on Abu Dhabi. I just, you know, I just, um, uh, no. Um, The the layout doesn't do anything for me at all. Um, Most of the races have been pretty dull. There's been a couple of good races where there's been a few safety cars, like 2012. um, My my boy Seb came through from the back of the field and and hit the... uh, polystyrene board and I remember <laughs> that moment um, but no I just I really don't like um, I just don't like the layout um, I don't think there's yeah there's never been a, a, a really memorable race to be honest yeah it's the fact that you can on that track I had it 20th so that was my second worst I hated yeah. I hate Abu Dhabi um, and so there's two reasons one I love Brazil and they took that away from Brazil the yeah. last race second there's uh, so many, not recently, obviously, because Mercedes have just dominated, but before that, so many races like went down to the last race. And you're like, oh, it's going to be, I think it's 2013, where it was like Alonso, Hamilton, um, uh, Vettel, like all these guys that could have won the championship. And you're like, well, you're not going to, because like you can't overtake, really. There's one, there's two massive straights, fair enough, but it's after a hairpin, which again doesn't help because the car is like spaced out. <laughs> Um, and a chicane again, a car spaces out. So, like, the layout's dreadful. The fact that in 2016, was it 2016 Rosberg one, where Lewis was able to keep him behind 
by literally slowing down in the last section because he knew that he couldn't overtake him and then speeding up on the straights. Like that, like that just summed it up. Like how can you intentionally drive slowly for a third of the track knowing that no one can overtake you um, and back him up to other people? Like ugh, it's a dreadful mm. track, awful track. They had all the money in the world. <laughs> they couldn't have done anything. They could have bought Belgium picked it up from the <laughs> continental shelves of Europe, taken it over to the Middle East, dropped it in the desert, and it would have cost about the same as it did to make this track. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it kind of, it kind of, same with Barcelona. It falls into my stupid little chicane category. Because in the, in the first sector, you've got, just before the kilometre-long back straight, which yeah. is like a prime o- overtaking yeah. opportunity, they again have this stupid little chicane that just kills everybody's momentum and kind of concertinas to pack up. So, yeah. Awful. Um, you know, and again, like the exciting title deciders they've had there, there's Hamilton backing everybody up and then there's Alonso getting stuck behind uh, Vitaly Petrov for 40 laps. <laughs> yeah. Like the what excitement. A legend, that man. <laughs> Like, the excitement comes from the frustration and the tension of them not being able to overtake slower cars. Um, it's it's baffling that it hasn't worked out. I think they a recent time... should have done anything. I think thing, um, that, that one where Hamilton backed up everyone was when uh, Vettel slung one up the outside a few times off the second straight on Rosberg. And you're sitting there like, Seb, mate, come on. Let the lad have one championship. <laughs> Just ease off, mate. Because if Seb gets passed, it's Mad Max, who was on a rampage that year anyway, behind him. And <laughs> you just fell for Rosberg. <laughs> that overtake, that the, that overtake yeah. that Rosberg did on Verstappen was one of the most underrated overtakes of all time. Yeah. Because he had he just sent Sense, it and he, yeah. oh, fantastic that was if brilliant. that was like if that was like uh, Beto or someone he's overtaking it, fair enough like a champion he'll see him Max was ha- usually doesn't take any shit so I was fully expecting tears <laughs> absolute tears <laughs> at the end of that um, <laughs> fair enough well it moves on to me and <laughs> I've got the Hungaro ring <laughs> so I oh, think, see, I think oh, it gets bad rep <laughs> I, oh mate don't even get again Jamie I'll I, I just need one example. Sebastian Vettel, was it, was it engine uh, issues he had when he held up Raikkonen, Hamilton, Bottas for he's, 30 laps? He's, uh, his steering wheel was like that. Yeah, yeah. And that's all I need to say. If you can do that for 30 laps, holding up two cars faster than you because you can't overtake, and again, it's the same thing again. You're going from a slowy, slow round corner onto a big straight, which is the only place you can overtake. And after that, you cannot overtake anywhere. It's a lot of, it's a really fun track to like, again, qualifying because it's like uh, twisty, turny, there's high speed corners, everything like that. But in a race with the modern cars, how badly it is, how bad it is to follow cars, like it's pointless. Like, you can't, you can't get anywhere near anyone. Um, so that's why I had it as my third worst track. I had a 19. Nah, so t- tire wear has always been quite big in Hungary and usually there's there's kind of alternative strategies going on and there's a huge pace difference when someone's in new tyres like I'm thinking when Ricardo won uh, 2014 there was a lot of overtakes and there was a really exciting race a couple of years ago um, was it 2015 the one that Vettel won and we got ahead at the start and a couple of years mate (laughs) seven years ago six years ago 
really feel old. <laughs> that feels like that feels like last year. Um, so no, nah, I, I I quite like I so I had Hungary fourteen, believe it or not. Okay. I mean, I thought I'd be higher the way you're chatting in the group chat. But nah, nah, nah. <laughs> nah. It's not that good. Come on. Anything to add on Hungary? Uh, I had it sixteenth. I'm kind of splitting the difference between you two. Um, I'm very indifferent. I don't dislike it. But also, if it was taken away from the calendar, it would probably take me a while to realise it isn't there anymore. <laughs> um, it's it's had the occasional good race, like uh, Button winning in 2006 in the wet, which was a great race, his first win, with um, Alonso and Schumacher all having issues there. I think he came through from about 14th or 13th on the grid to win. Um Oh, but, Hill. Yeah. Remember, the, remember the 1997 yeah. when David Hill nearly won in the Arrows? <laughs> I still have no idea how he did that. I <laughs> Unbelievable. It is baffling. But yeah, kind of the same way I was saying about Barcelona, about how far back do you need to go for like the iconic moment at that track. The clip they always show at the Hungara ring is from 1986 with yeah. PK <laughs> full opposite lock, drifting around the outside of Senna. Just a phenomenal overtaking move, but it was also 35 years ago, and it doesn't <laughs> feel like anything has happened in the last 35 years. So exactly, rip- awful, yeah. awful track. I hate it every year when it comes up. Um, uh, up to you, Daniel. Back to you. <clears throat> so this is probably a wee bit harsh because there's only been one race here. But I went for Portimao. Nice, yeah. a bit of an unknown and. Apart from that bonkers first lap where nobody seemed to know where their breaking point was, <laughs> and Carlos Sainz ended up leading the first lap, which it, it set us up for this hugely exciting race, and then everything just kind of settled down into a bit of a procession after that. Um, so I think it's it's fine. I'm glad we went there last year. Not particularly looking forward to it again this year. Yeah, I've not got much to say on it, to be honest. Uh, it, to me, it just seems like a Sp- Spain light kind of track. Um, it's got a straight, it's got windy bits, uh, it's fine. But we've only had one race, so I, I had it. I just put it in the middle, in that middle tier of I don't really have an opinion on them, so I'm going to put them there. Um, so I put both, yeah, so it was it was 14 for me. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, yeah, I need another race to properly form an opinion. So I that was my next worst, so... Yep. So, I don't know if this is going to be controversial or not, but I'm just going to say uh, Bahrain. Oh, what? Yep. No. Yeah. See, so it is quite controversial then. Yeah, definitely. So, so, see when I, so you guys seem to dis, well, certainly Jazzy, you seem to dislike more tracks than everyone else, right? So I, <laughs> so I had, I had a, I had a two-coloured system, okay? I had red and black, right? So all the red tracks were tracks that I had, that I just, had a, you know, I felt particularly strong about, mm-hmm. and then um, I've got, so there's only been two reds that have been wiped off, and the rest have been black. So I've got two blacks left, and one of them is Bahrain, and you know. I'm just looking at the rest here. I I can't pull it. I I just can't push it up any higher. I'm I'm afraid. There's been a lot. Of, there has been exciting races there. Don't get me wrong. I actually really enjoyed the Bahrain Outer. In fact, you know what? Just put it on Bahrain Outer. <laughs> <laughs> I 
maybe it would be higher up, but I don't. Yeah, I'm struggling to find the reason why it's so far down for me. I just prefer the other tracks that I've got in my list. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, fair enough. yeah, I don't but really have me, anything else to say. I, I like it. I, I really like Bahrain. I think it's got uh, the night race adds a bit to it. I like the... It's one of those tracks for me. So I had it actually in my top 10. So that's the first track for my top 10 that's gone. Um, but I like the fact that it is... The track layout makes a lot of sense. You've got high-speed straights. You've got the windy bit in the middle, which helps downforce cars. You've got that stupid little hairpin that I can never do an F1 2020 um, <laughs> that leads on to the back straight. There's so many opportunities to overtake, which I love about it. Um, and we've, we have seen some really exciting races. I do agree that Oxford track was stupid, but also class at the same time. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think, I think you're being harsh there, mate. I really do. Daniel? I think the most surprising thing to come out of this conversation is that I agree with Jasmine. <laughs> I had this as, 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 as a top 10 track. Um, yeah, I think maybe it's because I'm always going to compare it to Abu Dhabi and it's always going to yeah. come off favourably. Yeah. Um, but I think it has, it ticks all of the boxes for a good race. It's got a few good straights. There always seems to be a bit of overtaking there. And I think in terms of, you know, like the viewing experience, seeing the cars in the dark with the sparks coming off the back is it's nice, really it? visually stunning. Um, and there's also been some good races. I mean, Hamilton and Rossberg back in 2014 was a bit of a classic. So yeah, um, and I think of the of the Herman Tilke design tracks, I think it's probably one of the better ones. Isn't really saying a lot. <laughs> yeah, I I thought this conversation from the start was going to go in a very different way because I think my next choice is also quite controversial. Nice. Oh. I like that. We'll get. Well, I think we'll get to that in a yeah, couple so, of turns. So I'm next. I'm taking off all these classic tracks because you guys keep leaving them. So I've got um, I've got Australia next. <laughs> As, uh, I, I, yeah, I know. Um, for me, again, I don't know if it's because it's always the first track on the game and I play it over and over and over again, um, <laughs> or if it's just that it's always the first race and it never lives up. Um, I just don't like it. I honestly don't. It's got. It's a street circuit type track, but it's not a street circuit. It, you can't overtake really anywhere apart from maybe the second, uh, the second chicane, or something the chicane in the corner after the second DRS zone. Um, and yeah, it, it's awful. Like I just don't get, I don't get why people love it so much. Is it because it's historically but it's good? It's the first I race. I think it's yeah. just it's the first race. I think it's yeah. the height. But it's a ter- it's a terrible track. Like I think it was the year um, when Ferrari first challenged Mercedes. And uh, Hamilton led, and Vettel was on his ass for 25 laps. Vettel pitted, got in front of Hamilton, and Hamilton was on his ass for 25 laps. I was like, "Well, this is crap. Like nothing. They've actually not even attempted to overtake each other um, because they can." And I think that track, like Hungary, like Spain, like all these ones, I've really struggled with the modern F1 cars because you can't follow. You just cannot follow closely. And a lot of these tracks were designed for older cars, and I can completely understand they'd be really interesting cars and early 2000s or like 90s and stuff because you could follow a car around the windy bits get to the straight and you can make a move you don't need drs or anything like that where f1 just these days is you need drs to really overtake anyone and to get within that you need to be able to follow them remotely closely 
and tracks like this just don't offer that. Yeah, I think for me, it's probably quite a strong emotional pull to this track because it's it's the excitement of waking up at five or yeah. six in the morning yeah. and tuning in. It is it's the end of preseason. Everybody's back, and it, it, it's a feel good race as well. Like everybody in the crowd sitting on the hill having barbecues, drinking. Like it looks like everybody's having a good time. Um, none of the teammates have fallen out yet. None of the teams are <laughs> arguing. Uh, if if I could go to a race, I I would love to go to this one. But yeah, I it, in terms of the racing, it's it's really not up there, is it? And I think I having think... it towards the end of the season is going to be interesting too. Yeah, because the shine, the novelty might have worn off a bit by then. Yeah. So. I think the track. I think it's one of those tracks where it's more impressive on a Saturday than it is a Sunday. I think. Yep. Maybe it's kind of similar to Monaco in that regard. Yeah. I, I love watching a, a pole lap around Australia. I'm always gravitated to watching pole. You know, you know yeah. what it's like. You, you end up on YouTube looking at completely random stuff, and I always end up watching <laughs> Formula One stuff, and I always watch pole laps, and yeah. I, I always watch Australia. And I think I, I think I just like the kind of I like. I've said this before. I quite like 90 degree degree corners. <laughs> I like the watching the rotation of the cars and drivers under braking and stuff. I, I so. Maybe it's yeah. a Saturday. So, so I had I had it thirteenth. So well, that's where it's gone. It's gone thirteenth. Um, so uh, well, yeah. let's move on. We're gonna we're gonna speed these up. So all the the big discussing about the best ones, and the worst ones, and the middle ones are kind of like meh. Yeah. So we'll we'll yeah. we'll fire through these ones. Um, so Daniel, what is the twelfth best track that's left now? I'm really interested to see what your guys' opinion is on this because I think this could divide opinion. But I'm gonna go with the Circuit of the Americas. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. my next one as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, one thing about it for me is I feel like it fits into this weird obsession that F1 has with America where everyone wants to be different and more cultured and better, but is also really needy and desperate for America to like it. <laughs> it's why we always have these proposals about a race in New Jersey, um, going to Indy, all oh, of Miami. these things. Yeah. And I think when, you know, we went to we went to the track in Austin after a five-year gap and it was, you know, good to be in America. I think it's good for everyone to have a track in America. But since then, I just feel like the novelty has worn off. And I think, I think yeah, the, in a nutshell, it's, it's like Paul Ricard slightly more exciting. That's it. Yeah. It has, so, it's like Paul, Paul Ricard with hills. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. 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 It was in that yeah. region for me of like I don't know how I feel about it. It's okay, like yeah, it's fine. And like like a lot of the Herman Tilke design tracks, like it has everything you should want in a racetrack, but it just doesn't it doesn't work. It doesn't yeah. click. It doesn't feel natural. Um, it has long straights. It has high speed twisty bits. Uh, and it yeah, work. it's fine. Well, Jamie, on you go, mate. Let's let's go two minutes for these uh, these mid- middle tracks. <laughs> Okay, he's uh, okay. Next for me is Singapore. Nice. I had a really low. I had a really right, low. Okay, yeah. okay. My so next it's my favourite night race, um, and I, I and I always enjoy it, um, but it just the race drags on and on and on. Um, there's never a huge amount of action or overtaking. Um, it's a it's a good spectacle, and I would absolutely love to go to the race. I think. Um, but uh, yeah, other 
the, the other tracks I've got in the list are just yeah. Yeah, just I completely agree. Yeah. I, I, had a, I had a 16th, Daniel. What did you have that? What did you have to say before? Uh, 14th. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah, I agree with you. Street circuits with the cars just now just don't work. Just don't work. Yeah. Um, unless you've got a big, massive straight like Baku. Um, so, well, next for me, uh, so I put uh, Imola. I had it 12th. But, yeah. Yeah, me too. Because we've been old school school Imola races were phenomenal but with the modern cars what we saw wasn't that exciting and I don't know if it'll be that exciting this year but I put it 12th because of this is the only track I gave a bit of prestige to so I, I put it up the board <laughs> just because because of the history I gave I gave it something and I gave it the benefit of the doubt so yeah it was 12th for me on our list it comes in at, at top 10 gets into the quality three uh so yeah uh, Daniel off to you mate ninth What's next, next for you? One. Yeah, I'm going with Baku. Oh, yeah, that's, that's next, next, next for me um, as well. I I like it as a street circuit, and you know I think it kind of addresses a lot of the problems that tracks like Singapore and Monaco have. Um, that's good to watch. I mean, you know, like the castle section can be exciting, but you also have this huge long straight. And a lot of the races we've had, I think the first year was a bit of a letdown. Yeah, it was a bit of a procession. And then after that, oh, it was all hell breaking loose. Um, you know that race where there was all the safety, every time there was a safety car restart, there was a crash. Yeah. And, you know, the one where Vettel and Hamilton had their yeah, coming yeah. together under the safety and car and Ricardo came through to and win. His, his headrest came off as well. And, yeah. yeah. And then we had Ricardo and Verstappen have a little kiss at the bottom of the straight. Um, <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I I I mean I had I had Baku uh I actually had a ninth, yeah. So exactly where exactly where it's gone. Um which is interesting. Um Jamie. Uh, Me- Mexico. Nice, yeah. That was nice for I, me as well. So I really like it. Um I mean oh, I love the rest of these tracks to be honest. Um we always seem to have um, Red Bull always do incredibly well there, don't they? Something to do with altitude, maybe. Um, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I really that the long straight. Uh, I, the, the one thing about Mexico is I understand it's a great, you know, uh, arena environment. The last, you know, couple of corners, it, you know, I would love to sit there. Be fantastic yeah. atmosphere. But if it was the old, the old last corner, the bank kind of the last corner that would oh, that would be top five for me so that again that's <laughs> one of those tracks it's that one corner that makes such a difference see i i kind of disagree slightly in a sense that i think the straight is i with the way drs is uh, and these long straights i feel like it's almost too easy to overtake at times like you gotta have a nice balance and i feel like when you have um it's the same with baku for me it's like the overtake's done before you even hit the DRS zone. It's like, well, what was the freaking point? Um, so that's the only slight issue I have with it is I love long straights, completely love them, but I think DRS sometimes makes it too easy. I want to be, I want to see them side by side and who's got the ball to break later into a corner. I don't want to see the guy 20 meters ahead of you coming into the breaking zone. Um, and I feel like that's Mexico's biggest issue for me because i love the rest of the track i love the little uh middle section where red bull are incredible yeah. that that little fast corner bit i love that i love the as you said the stadium section is incredible it's just 
either take the DRS zone out of the first straight or make the straight shorter for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'd be perfect because you get because you have that. Then you have another. If you get overtaken, you can like tactically play it to go for the second straight, and it just flows really well. But that's that's yeah. just my opinion on it. Um, I'm I'm glad it's on the calendar. I think it's vibrant. It's exciting. It's interesting. Yeah. It's different. But there are better race tracks on the calendar. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, so it's come to me now, isn't it? Um, so I've gone for and so we're into the we're into the top seven. I'm so right? scared and, now. I, I yeah, I'm, scared. I'm, I'm into the top seven, and these were my elite seven tracks. Like I love all these tracks, um, <laughs> but the worst of them for me was Austria. So I love Austria. I think it's a great race, um, but the tracks left I feel have a bit more, like just a bit more about them. Um, mm-hmm. And I think Austria's fun little track. 55 seconds, minute, minute and a half, minute and 10 seconds. It's fine. It's nice. You get a lot of overtaking opportunities. I love the little middle section. I love how the track flows. They've got it right where you've got a straight, then a big heavy braking zone, then a straight, then a medium heavy braking zone. And you can get a lot of action through that. And then you've got a bit of downforce bit towards the end of the track. Um, And yeah, it just flows really well. And as you said, we've never really had a boring Austrian Grand Prix. There's always something kind of going on. Um, I personally went to the Austrian Grand Prix and loved it so much (laughs) as as a fan spectacle. Like, I don't understand why, but everyone loves Max Verstappen there, even though Austria is nowhere near like uh, where he's from. Um, But yeah, everyone loves him. Uh, The crowd's going mental. Like the race I went to, Hamilton and Bottas had engine failures. And I specifically love that because engine, Hamilton's engine failed right in front of where I was sitting, so I gave him a few bees um, <laughs> as, he, as, he, as he went on his little motorbike. Um, no, as I said, it's a, it's a lovely track, but from what's left, that was the worst one left for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, I think the remarkable thing is just how simple it is as a track yeah. and how effective exactly. it is. I don't know how many turns it's got. What, 9, 10, 11? Like you look at the track layout, it's so simple and basic. It could be a kart track anywhere in the mm-hmm. country. Um, but something about you know the steep hills going up to the corners, um, the overtaking zones, the high speed nature, it really, really works as a track. One of these yeah. less is more type yeah. things. Well, Daniel, we're into the top six now. Shit's getting real. Yeah. I don't know whether to apologize for having this track here because I'm sure a lot of people would have it higher. And perhaps I'm a bit of a traitor for saying this, but I'm going to go with Silverstone. Oh, yeah. that's oh. what I had. Yeah. I had it higher. I had it higher. You know, it's, it's it has it's got the history, it's got the prestige, it's got the huge fan base there. Um, it's got long straights, it's got you know, maggots and beckets and but it just doesn't do it for me as much as the other tracks there. Um I don't know, maybe it's it's the fact there's no elevation changes there. The races are good, but I don't know when I would say that the British Grand Prix had been the best race on the calendar at the end of the season. So yeah. yeah. I think they ruined the layout. See the old, the original layout with the original straight with cops at turn one. If 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 that was if it was still the original layout, I would have it maybe two or three higher. But I just don't like yeah. the new se- sector one. It ruins it for me. I think so. I, so I had I had 
uh, GB fourth for me. So it was fourth on my list. Um, and I just love, I think it's just, it's got, I think it's got everything. Like, like it's everything with the fans, the unpredictable weather from session to session. Um, you've got the, the, you've got the maggots and Beckett section. You've got like all yeah. these things just work so well, like they flow so well. And I know like modern day cars and stuff, you can again say like, can you really follow through maggots and Beckett's? But I feel like it's one of those tracks where I think cars can, I don't know what it is, but you watch them, you, you, the amount of the amount of overtakes you see at the end of the hangar straight is nuts, and I think it's because of you can follow reasonably closely because it's not. I don't know what I don't know why I don't know why, but it just works. <laughs> um, and yeah, personally, I love it. I absolutely love watching the 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 the, the, the British Grand Prix every single year. I feel like, and it's, especially there's a bit a bit of that British rain about. Oh, I'll tell you what, <laughs> I'll tell you what. Um, yeah, so I mean, fair enough. I could, as I said, the last six or seven left, I generally could put them in any order. Really, like they're they're, they're all so good. I am um, so buzzing because my top five is what's left. Oh, so, so I don't, I don't, <laughs> really, I don't care about the order really. Yeah, so my the funny thing is the track I had, I had GB sixth, and then I changed it last minute for a track that's now a sixth. Um, so I would have had the same, but. Uh, so Jamie, what have you got? What's what's fifth on your list? Okay, uh, I mean these are all very, very, very close. But fifth, I've got Monza. Oh, nice, 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 nice. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I don't have to go into the fact that it's the the fosse and you know the yeah. straights, the chicanes, the action, the buzz. Um, I I think. Uh, and, and I've walked the circuit as well. I've actually visited Monza one time, um, and it was a fantastic experience. Um, you know, I, I really like it. It just the other tracks in my list are just more exciting to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? um, I think Monza is one of those tracks where I don't think there's ever going to be a year where you're going to go, ah, oh, Monza, like it's going to be a crap race. Yeah. It's, it's never, ever going to be like that. It's no. And it, it moves on to the next track that I have, which is Canada. Um, It's the same. It's like <sighs> massive straights. I know, you, I know, Jamie, I know you've got like something ah. deep for Canada. Um, <laughs> But I just think that it's they're both very similar tracks. They're, they're all straights, chicanes, um, and Canada's got the close-in walls, so it's kind of like a street circuit kind of vibe. Um, whereas Monza's got the gravel traps, um, but it's one of those tracks where it's high speed but not very forgiving. So if you mess up, you, you're pretty much done. And it's the same. So that's for Monza in Canada for me. Um, so as I said, I've got Canada next. I had Canada, so I swapped Canada last minute for GB Jamie. I had GB, <laughs> I had Canada fourth and Britain sixth, and I was like, nah, 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 nah swap them. So um, okay. yeah. What so, is that, Daniel? What do you think about? Sorry, I know you want yeah, to move on that yeah. Canada. I just yeah I've been to the Canadian Grand Prix so it's a special place in my heart so I just wanted to know about what, yeah. what Daniel thinks. Where did you have Canada? I, I I like it and I think it's the race that usually delivers as well. Mm. Um yeah it's fast it's good good overtaking points. You have unpredictable weather as well. I mean that race in 2011 where Button yeah last was 20 laps to go and then came through to win, I think is probably the best race. Yeah. Or the most exciting race that I've seen mm-hmm. in my life, probably. Yeah. 
You've got the Wall of Champions. You've got two yeah. massive trades. The only downside I think about Canada, and it's the only reason I had it sixth, I changed the last minute, was I think it's, you go through the track and I feel like it's a bit too repetitive at times. So it's a bit too, like, straight chicane, straight chicane, straight chicane, hairpin, straight chicane, straight. It's like, okay, like, lads, have you chucked something else in there, you know? Like, <laughs> come on. Um which it works. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. It's 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 one of the most exciting races to watch, and like my boy Alonso rinsing off the line, going from third to first into, the, and it's like a little bit of a big straight. Um, and it's just I love watching races there, but for yeah. me, the top three are just they're a new they're a level above for me. So what um, is it? Yeah, Jamie. Like as a fan, what is it like to be there? What's the phenomenal? Like I've been to three races, right, and that was that was I went there in 2017, and I was really lucky because it was the 50th anniversary of that the yeah. first Canadian Grand Prix. So downtown Montreal um, was just absolutely buzzing. There happened to be a musical music festival on as well that weekend. Um, we actually went to a bar because we we knew that Will Buxton was going to be there, and we were there for hours and hours, right? And we were like tweeting them like, "Come on, Will!" It was like a quiz and all that, and we just we ended up bailing at the end. But uh, no, it was fantastic. The the the, the facilities at the track, you know, it's, you know, um, we we just we just walked round and round, like you yeah. know, all day, like the, the Thursday and Friday. We, oh, honestly, it was absolutely magnificent. Really, really good. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I always feel like Montreal is the track that Melbourne kind of wants to be, and that you know it's it's a city circuit, but not a street circuit. Kind of, yeah, you have all the advantages of being close to the city, but also you know runoff areas and things. Um, but it works in Canada and it doesn't in Melbourne, as we have all proven here. Beyond so, so, I mean, I don't know how this has happened, lads, but. Somehow we've all three got the same top three, which is pretty impressive. Um, we do not. Oh, do we not? Did you have my, that? Uh, no. Oh, really? Yeah. Sorry, my bad. What did you guys have yeah. that has been crossed out? I had Montreal. Um, I had Canada number three. I had, I, had, I had Monza third. Oh, interesting. But I'll, 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 group, I'll group my top three together when I get to them. Um, yeah, well, it's, it's your pick now, Daniel. So what my is turn. The... Uh, I've gone with Interlagos in Brazil. Okay. So, um, actually, in a previous version of making my list, I had this third, and then I swapped it with Monza. Um, yeah, I mean, you kind of touched upon it earlier, Jasmine. It went through a phase of being the last race of the season, and it was always quite exciting. Um, you know, like 2006, where Schumacher was storming through the field to try and wrestle the championship away from Alonso and didn't quite make it. 2007, where Hamilton went in as the favourite and then Raikkonen came from third to win against the odds. Uh, 2008, of course, Hamilton winning it at the last corner. Um, It always seems to be an interesting and entertaining, exciting race. And, you know, in, in terms of the track, it feels to me very natural and flowing. Nothing about that circuit feels artificial or you know, overly planned in, um, you know, what's the word, uh, sterilized like a lot of the new tracks do. Feels like a pure track to me. You've got the passion and the excitement of the fans. Um, you've got yeah, unpredictable weather. It's, 
And I always I, I quite like the races that take place, you know, Sunday night, evening time, something different and exciting about that for me as well. So. Yeah, I, 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 I can. I mean, there's never. Yeah, when, when was the last time there was a rubbish Brazilian Grand Prix? Like, there's always yeah. like there's it's always brilliant. Like, you know, the race to the line in 2019 with Gasly and Hamilton. Yeah. Like, I was I was like, come on, Pierre. <laughs> That. exactly that's the thing like it's just it's the track is just it's got everything right it's just it's got the straight it's got um the first i think the first section of the track flows so well where you go into the chicane and then you come out into another drs zone and then it's this little left hand is a bit of a straight again and then you go into a slow section but i just love the first section it's just it's just so nice the way it's laid out. Mm-hmm. And as you said, like watching championships go down to the wire. And as you said so many times, Dan, it's like you go, okay, Brazil, anything can happen. It could be chucking it down. It could be anything. Whereas like now Abu Dhabi, you're like, well, it's going to be bone dry. It's going to be a dreadful race because you can't really <laughs> take. Whoever yeah. gets pulled is probably going to win the race. Like it's, it's just, it's taken so much out of it. Like if you, if you imagine the, if you imagine the title fight, um, between what's it called Hamilton and Rosberg and like those ones going down to Brazil rather than going down to Abu Dhabi I know it was still a case of they were so far ahead of everyone else but you add in so much more unpredictability with Brazil with the weather with like crashes with safety cars that you just didn't get in Abu Dhabi it was just a case of oh Hamilton's put on pole he'll win class <laughs> um, <Yeah>. so <laughs> it always always seems to be a bit of an equalizer as well you even in races where you've had the seasons where you've had Mercedes or other teams yeah. really far ahead of everybody else, you often get this surprise package doing quite well there. I mean, there was uh, yeah Gasly getting on the podium a few years ago along with Sainz. Um, I think Williams' second last race in 2000, second last win in 2004 was there with Montoya. Um, I think Button's last win was there. You know it. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. I, it's a sad one. Bring to see it the together a bit more. 2012. Um, yeah, I, I cannot, emotions, I cannot like... begin to tell you how much of an. I, I have watched that race like <laughs> twenty <laughs> times or something ridiculous like that. Yeah. But do you not think that was such a fitting end to such an incredible season? Like, yeah, it was. It's the best season of F1 I've watched personally, and. You had so many different winners, so many different... It goes down to the last race. And as, as I said to you, if that was... Was it the last race? Yeah, it was, yeah. It was. Yeah. That was the last time it was the last race, right? Um, uh, if that was Abu Dhabi, you go, oh, cool. Vettel's on pole or whatever. He's going to probably win. Whereas there, like, he spins and then he's like so far down the grid. He's quite... And it's the same with Hamilton's win as well. Like he spun and like stuff happens. This rain comes down, glocks on different tires, and it, it's just like it, it's just so much better having that as a last race. Um, that it, they've kind of robbed their fun fans a bit, I think, with this Abu Dhabi nonsense. Um, but anyway, we got to move on, boys. Uh, Jamie, this is the biggest decision of your uh, career. And <laughs> I, I, what is number two, and then right, what okay. is number one? Right, so I think that I'm the only one that will have it in this order. Okay. Right. Uh-huh. So my my number two is Belgium. Oh no. Yeah. Oh. Okay, yep. Ex- explain yourself. <laughs> um 
<laughs> I'm not even th- like if I knew it would be it would come down to me to make this crucial decision. <laughs> I would have had a I would have had a, an answer in my, my my mind, but I didn't. I don't. And um, I mean, honestly, there's nothing between them to be honest. Like I like I would be more than happy if Belgium was first. Like it's so close between the two. Like seriously, yeah. Um, Belgium, both of them, both of them have so much character. Um, I don't have to go into the, the, the character of Belgium and Eau Rouge and the, the, just yeah. the location of the track, the weather, um, you know, the climb up the hill to the chicane. You know, there's always a lot of action. Oh, turn one, like there's just every corner is just is special. Um, but the reason, I think the reason I've got Japan first, that the first sector in Japan is just, Honestly, I, if I could drive any track in the world, you know, that's that t- the layout to me is just sensational. It's like a ult- the ultimate driver's track for me, and yeah. for that that takes precedent over racing. I mean, you know, the, the Japanese Grand Prix, um, there's never, you know, a huge amount of action. No. You know, you would say that the, uh, recent years the Belgian Grand Prix has been more exciting than the Japanese Grand Prix, but as a as a layout, for me. Suzuka is number one and will always be number one. So yeah. I know you guys will be the other way around probably, but that's yeah. so I had I had I had uh, Spa first, Brazil second, Japan third in my list. And, okay. And but Japan, for me, I, I, as I said, I love Suzuka as well. I think it's a great race. It's the again, it's the weather predictability and the way the first section is beautiful. Like up until to the hairpin, it's such a tricky track to. Get to get yeah get the ultimate time and it's not forgiving like there's gravel everywhere um mm-hmm. and i think just the main straight leads on to like you've got to be pretty ballsy to make a move around that first corner as raikkonen did to uh physicala and that like i watched that clip so many times like i don't know how he went around the outside and just swoops in um it, it's yeah it's it's a track for the brave, like it separates the men yeah. from the boys. Like that's that's what that's what that track is. Um, I quite think like, the last section is very much like Spa. Like you've got the big long straight into a, basically a, a chicane uh, and onto the final straight. Um, but yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. For me, Spa just yeah, it's everything. It's it's the start. It's such a short straight. Everyone's bunched up. How do you navigate around? You're Grosjean flying through the back of you. Like what do you do? <laughs> like, like you go on to. Uh, and then you got to all funnel through or rouge and then up the camel straight. And then it's a nice tricky bit where downforce comes into it. Ah, oh, it's just majestic. And it's like, the thing I like about Spa, uh, Japan's kind of like it, but not quite is, I think it's the one track where you can win or lose the race by a tiny tweak in car setup. Like a tiny, tiny, tiny tweak. If you put yeah. half a wing less downforce, that could be the difference between half a second faster or slower just because how much do you lose on the straight how much do you gain in the corners like it's, it's a just compromise it's, it's yeah. not, like brazil's kind of the same it's a compromise you know it's sectors yeah. one and three versus sector two it's like where exactly. do you want to but set your car up for it's more forgiving in brazil because the straights aren't as long whereas in spa you've got i mean if you've got slightly less downforce on, on a cable straight you're getting whipped like you're getting absolutely whipped and then yeah but it's the same with if you've not got that much downforce, people are going to be right on your bum going around the final straight into the chicane. So it's just a compromise. 
Carry on, the last the bus stop chicane. I I said th- th- again. I would say this. Yes, <laughs> yes again. The old bus stop chicane was better. <sighs> see, I see. I think the new bus stop is better for overtaking. I think it's better for overtaking. Because well. I am about the old bus stop and the way it kind of flowed that long sweeping mm-hmm. flow onto the start finish straight. I do think the new one kind of provides a better overtaking opportunity. So, yeah. yeah. Daniel, your takes then finally Spa, Japan. For me, you've if we're dividing everything into tiers, you have the god tier of tracks, and for me, these two are yeah. the god tier. Yeah, um, on a different day, I could have had them in a different order. Today, I put Spa first and Suzuka second, but I yeah, for me, these are the two ultimate tracks on the calendar that just have everything great layout great races great overtaking they have yeah there's, there's kind of the allure and the prestige about them yeah um i probably have fonder memories of suzuka and you know before brazil was the, the last race japan was the last race for years and years and years and again it's it's that excitement of being a little kid and waking up at 5 a.m., <laughs> turning on the TV to, you know, listen to ITV commentary of the race is something I'm always going to hold dear. Um, yeah. And is, is, I, would, I would argue there's probably been more memorable races at Suzuka than at Spa. Mm. You know, I mean, um, Senna and Prost rivalry is basically defined there. But also um, 2005 when Raikkonen started 17th, I think it was. He was oh, 17th and yeah. Alonso and Schumacher were also in the teens. And just watching them carve their way through the field, culminating in Raikkonen taking the, the win on the last lap. And the same race as Alonso went around the outside of Schumacher into 130R, which was insane. Oh, that was insane. Wasn't yeah, it? that was so brave. That's what, uh, I mean, that's what I mean about these tracks is they, they do separate. Yeah. They separate the ends from the boys. Like they Can do. I just say, see, yeah. that, see the Senna Pross incident? That move was never on, by the way. <laughs> You're going to back your boy. On. You're going to back your boy. <laughs> I don't think either of them were. <laughs> I just don't think... Uh, um, the, 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 nah. Anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in as a little right, side so note. <laughs> lastly, guys, this is honestly going to be great. So we've come... To, uh, I'll post a full list on Instagram and stuff, but basically we've got combined top five we've got japan first spa second brazil third canada fourth monza fifth which you can't really argue with i mean they're they're all pretty class and the bottom five which is mostly thanks to me uh we've got abu dhabi 17th uh spain 18th monaco 19th which i'm proud of 20th france and the worst track according to us is russia which again you can't really uh can't really argue with last question for you both before we go i love a track that's not on the grid this year and that's hockenheim where would you put that on this list? 1 to 21. Jamie, you can go first. I've rubbed out the tracks from my whiteboard. I'm looking uh, okay. at blank canvas here. <laughs> right, I'm, so, okay, it'd be top 10. Would be top read 10 out, for you. But, yeah, read out the top 10. So Japan, Spa, Brazil, Canada, Monza, Britain, Austria, Mexico, Baku, Imola. Yeah, it's neat. So I would put uh, ahead of Baku on yeah. that list. So it's it's like the second tier down from the elite, would you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I think you're doing a great disservice. I think Hockenheim is also 
incredibly underrated because it's in the same country as the Nurburgring. Yeah. And everybody's going to talk about, you know, the Nurburgring, the, the Norwich Life as being the epic, huge track, the ultimate test for a racing driver. Um, and I think Hockenheim doesn't really get the credit it deserves because it's always going to be in the Norwich Life shadow. If we were having it on this track, I would have it around about Silverstone. Yeah, same. Kind of like seventh-ish, I think. I, I rate uh, it so highly. Again, it's been so many good races. The weather plays such a big part. There's gravel traps. There's Sebastian knows them very well. Um, there's just there's so much going on in that track that I just yeah. I I would put it in the Great Britain, Austria, Mexico range we've got right now. Mm. Also, yeah. also for me, I think it has the best overtaking spot on the calendar, which is the hairpin after the straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah really really work every year something happens down there yeah something. it's i think it, it flows really well because the, the way the first corner is if you over over basically sell yourself if you go on the inside you're in a horrible line for the next like the straight and it's that give and take it's like what, what do you what do you try and give up the position and take it back or i just love those chess matches when they're they're available rather than the Brazilian chicanes and all this kind of, not Brazilian, sorry, the Spanish chicane, which is just pointless. Um, but yeah, honestly, that's this has been. Yeah, also, um, I've been to Hockenheim and uh-huh. I can testify that it is an incredible race to go to if it's ever back on the calendar and you get a chance. I really um, hope it does. I love in, it. In the, in the middle of the forest. It's, but, you know, it's kind of, I don't know, this is a weird comparison, but, you know, like the scene at the end of uh, Star Wars Return of the Jedi, where you've got <laughs> the Ewoks in the forest, and it's like, you know, a party, a celebration. Um, <laughs> kind of like that, because you have all these beer gardens that just sprouted up in the forest. There's music, there's hot dogs, beer, just feel-good vibes, just a good race. Sounds like a great idea. place for a vegan that doesn't drink, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But no, as I said, Back in the that, day. <laughs> this is this has generally been a lot of fun and it's quite interesting that we kind of all had similar ish lists. Honestly, we had like a few things up and down. Um but it's I'm looking forward to the season a lot and I always am at this point and I'll probably hate it three races in when Mercedes are one into every race. Um but as I said, I hope it goes well. Quick predictions, boys, before we go off. Uh Daniel First and second in the championship, what is the order for drivers for you? Uh, I think Hamilton's going to win. And I think Verstappen is going to be second. Jimmy? Jimmy. Well, you, you guys are so boring. I'll go, for, uh, I'll go Verstappen first, Bottas second, Hamilton's raging. Let's go. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Not even going to dignify that with a response. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Incredible, boys. Uh, And that is the end of the F1 podcast. I think next week we'll be back to NFL with Ed. So please tune in for that one. But thank you very much for listening. (laughs) 